0: On this week's show, we're going to start our new series, Plan, Measure, Perform, Part One, Why You Need an Operating Plan. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Now, before we dive into today's content, I want to make sure we throw this out for all you non-EGI members. Are you or someone you know interested in starting a career in the HVAC industry? The EGI Foundation is now accepting applications for its 2020 scholarship plan. This is one of the leading programs dedicated to solving an ongoing employee shortage in the trades and increasing the influx of young talent into the workforce. The EGI Foundation scholarship program gives out 20 awards of $2,500 apiece to students pursuing an HVAC degree or certification at an accredited community college, technical or vocational school, or approved technical institute during the 2020-2021 academic year. Applications can be submitted now through January 30th, 2020 on egifoundation.org scholarship. Okay, so let's dive into why you need an operating plan. We got a great question from an EGI member and it relates perfectly to what we'll be talking about today. The question is, I am the owner of a small HVAC company, about $750,000 a year with five people. I do it all and have great relationships with my customers. My problem is that I've been stalled at this level for about three years now. I don't know how to scale past this point. I think a lot of this has to do with me working on the business rather than working in the business, as I have a personal relationship with most of our clients. How can I get past this roadblock? Great question. Well, in order to build a profitable and scalable company, you need a detailed plan on how you're going to get where you want to go. The cornerstone of any company is your brand promise and how it incorporates to your company's core values. Let's join Gary Alex as he outlines how your core values and your brand promise shape and align with your chosen
1: business model. Let's go through the very first discussion point. So I'm going to give you the company plans elements. All companies need to have clarity of purpose or what we call a vision. You know, where are we headed as a business? And so that's not just a recruiting tool. That's an actual functional discussion point inside of an organization. So an example of that is, uh, I'll give you, you know, ours. Uh, we want to be the dominant service provider in our marketplace. That is our vision. So that breaks down into a a separate group of characteristics underneath that, you might ask, well, what does dominant mean, and what does service provider mean, and how does that work? Well, of course, that's part of the construct of the plan to simplify it. What we really need is we need that clarity of purpose so that we can point back to the vision and say, everything we do is about service. Everything we do is about the customer experience. Everything we do is about creating a framework to be able to deliver that so that we can become the dominant service provider. So if we look at the second area, core values. Now, uh, there is a separate independent video on core values that we're going to talk through and creating belief systems. And uh, Weldon also has some tremendous material on mind mapping, getting your mind right, getting ready and prepared for success. This is a great example of core values. The core value structure of a business is about, hey, who are we? What are we about? What are our hiring and firing offenses? How do we decide culturally who we want to be? So uh, operational excellence is a core value. Having fun, you know, being passionate about your work is one of the core values. Uh, be an expert at what you do is a core value. Integrity is a core value. You know, act with integrity. So these are examples, and we've talked through some of those core values in different work in terms of the videos here, but what's important in the core value chart relative to the plan is that you as a business have a clear behavioral definition for each of those core values. So that act with integrity doesn't mean something different to a technician who is aggressively pursuing a sales transaction who believes it's in his best interest, but maybe not necessarily in the customer's best interest. And so the integrity of that process at the company level is what should drive that. What does the business owner want? What is the brand experience of the company supposed to actually deliver? That should be the driving force in how the technician is behaving. So what we need is we need not only the core value as an adjective, but we need the discussion about what are the behavior patterns. If you reference the role descriptions and you go into the human resources section, there's a document there and there's materials with core values, the definitions and the behaviors. And you'll notice also that the role descriptions And the actual material that supports the employee has the core values listed on the role description. So there's absolutely no question in the code of conduct, the vision statement, the core values, the role description, the expectations. Everything is aligned. So when we say alignment, what we mean is that it's consistent. It doesn't change from here to over here. So what we're doing in the home, what we're doing with the service agreement, what we're doing with customer relationships, what we're doing with our marketing, all match up to the overall company vision and the core values.
0: Now that we have the values and brand promise as the foundation of our plan, let's see how those values align with the actual components of your business plan. Let's join Gary again as he shares how to develop a plan
1: that is goal-oriented and scalable. So if we go back to the third area, you need a business model. You need to be able to print money. And in order to print money, you have to be able to repeat that business model over and over and over again. So that's a definition of what are we going to do. So I'll give you an example. Inside of the flat rate system, we're going to give a 20% discount off of a repair, basically to get a customer to have an economic incentive to join the club that we offer at that particular time. Now that club has two HVAC and one plumbing events attached to it. Let's assume for a moment that that club price is $150. Well, if it's a $500 condenser fan motor, I'm just making that number up, and you give a 20% discount, that's $100. So the differential for the homeowner is $50 to decide whether they want to invest in the club or not. So the pattern that we want to establish is that we have a process with the technician that is consistent so that not only can he or she present what the value is to the homeowner, but that the economics, the emotional side, the the process side of fixing the equipment, what we call the physical side, those are the three decision components for any homeowner, that all those things remain consistent. And that becomes a part of a business model. And then the second part of that business model is, well, once we have enough club memberships, we know that uh, basically one out of 15 is gonna turn into a replacement transaction. So for every 90 club agreements I have, I basically get six transactions just based on the age of demographics. So this is the example of what a defined business model looks like. And if you go into the discussions a little deeper inside of some of the company planning materials, you'll see some example charts of the business models, both for commercial, residential, plumbing, electrical, and so forth. So those are defined by not only the idea and the consistency of what we're doing on a process, but also with metrics. So that We know if we own a McDonald's that we're going to produce a hamburger, french fries. All of the processes are going to be consistent no matter where we are in the world, no matter where we are in the United States, and no matter what time of day it is. And that's what we're looking for in a business model. Fourth item on that list is you need to have some goals. Goal setting is critical. So we use the SMART goal setting process, S-M-A-R-T, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and with a timeline. We're going to want a one-year and a three-year set of goals. You can also use... Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, one of my favorite books. Uh, the, the concept that he uses there is called a BHAG, uh, which is Big, Hairy, Audacious Goal. And so the BHAG is all about getting a big goal out there in the future that people can rally around. So it's not your vision, it's your long-term objective. So let's say today, as an example, I'm a $5 million company. Maybe I'm a $1 million company, it doesn't really matter. So three years from now, I may want to be a $8 million company. And five years from now, I might want to be a $12 million company. Seven years from now, I might want to be a $15 million company. And 10 years from now, the BHAG, I might want to be a $30 million company. So the BHAG is that big, hairy, audacious goal that's way out there. And what we want to do with the BHAG is we want to be looking at, hey, maybe there's some ideas out there that I can figure out I can network through EGIA, through my other contractor resources. I can talk to some people who have been $30 million, people that have successfully navigated inside of that place, and I can gain insights into what it takes to actually have accomplished that objective. What are my obstacles? What are my resources that I need? How did you do it? What kind of things would you do differently? So we can network with people inside of that framework. So the idea of goal setting is the one-year goal is going to be very focused for the operating plan, So that one-page strategic plan that we're going to give to each employee that says, this is what we're going to do in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2025, whatever year we're talking about, that's the process we're going to use for the one year. But then we need some longer-term goals that help us focus on how how do we change, how do we adapt. And so the next discussion then really brings us to the alignment issue, which is we have a financial plan, a marketing plan, a production plan, and a human resources plan. Now, those are lined up in a a stacked, autocratic fashion, meaning financial plan is first, marketing plan is second, production plan is third, and the human resource organization plan is fourth. The thing about that is is we have to construct a financial plan first because that's what drives the overall cash flow and profitability of a business. But then the sales and marketing plan has to be attached to that because that's how we achieve the financial plan. The production plan is there because once we decide what we're going to make, and then how we're going to sell it, and how much we need to you know, price and organize and market, we now have to go ahead and put it in, we have to run the service calls, we have to fill Then The last uh, box there, the last bucket, is the people side, the organization. We've got to decide how many people we're going to need. Who is going to do what function? What kind of productivity do we need? How we're going to pay them? What kind of planning are we going to use to develop them? What kind of training and organization plan do we use? So they are in order of priority, But in actuality, it's a concept I need you to understand. They actually are more of a horizontal playing field as opposed to a stacked autocratic playing field. They're stacked in the business planning format because that's how we have to think when we ask questions and we look at resources and we start saying, well, how do we plan? But when we actually have reality occurring, if I grow a business over here in sales, that affects the financial side. But it also affects the production and the human resources side. So all four of those areas really exist on a horizontal plane. And we don't impact one without impacting the other three. And I think that's an important component. When you sit down and either when you come to a workshop like we teach at the end of the year for company planning and financial management, we talk through those issues. If you want to grow 20%, you're going to have to market and generate leads to to do that. You might have to change price, you might have to sell more jobs which means you might have to hire a crew or a service technician, or you might have to engage in hiring a maintenance technician. Maybe you want to hire a commercial maintenance person. Uh, There's all kinds of different strategies and ways to get there. But then that's compensation. It's cost structures. So we're interfacing across all four of those areas. It's critical that as a business owner and as a a mid-management function in a business, you understand that the dynamic there is, is that, They interact, and they're interdependent on one another. It's kind of like a golf grip. I mean, whether you use the overlap or whether you use this, you're still working both hands together on the club. The bottom line is, from a planning and questioning point of view and prioritization, when we go through the discussion, you're going to go through the business evaluation tool and the business review process on the EGIA website. You go to Contract University. That structure is there. You ask the questions. You answer them. The content flows in, and you go, "Okay, I get it. But the prioritization then is the tricky part, how we get organized on that. So that's where we really need to look at the process. And so what I'm gonna do is teach you the process. I'm gonna take you over to the whiteboard and we're gonna go through what I consider to be a very effective discipline that you should go through at least once a year. And then the process is designed to get a one-page strategic plan in place so that all personnel in the company are operating within alignment, meaning that we're all doing what's necessary towards a common purpose, towards a common vision, towards a common set of goals. And so I'm not off doing my thing and you're off doing your thing. This is a method for us to use as business leaders, small business entrepreneurs to focus our energies because a little bit of distraction can go a long way in harming our profit structure. So we don't want that to happen.
0: Now, when you talk about this plan, one of the things you have to understand is the importance of planning. One of my favorite books is The 7 Habits of Highly Effective People, and habit two in that book is beginning with the end in mind. And What this refers to is that for a business, for a life, for a trip to Disney World, whatever it is, you need to have a vision of the outcome. You have to see the end game, right? Because when you look at your business and you see the end game, it makes it much easier to work backwards and figure out what you have to do today. This is especially important, for example, in budgeting your revenue goals for the year. You know, stop and think about it. Let's say next year, in 2020, you wanna do a million dollars. Well, you work that back and you know how many, you know, dollars you need to do each month and you break that down to what you gotta do each week and you break that down into what you need to do each day. In fact, in my HVAC company uh, here in Colorado Springs, we just had a meeting last week about our revenue goals and we have it broken down into daily revenue goals. I know how much we need to do at the end of the year. I know how much we need to do each month. Now, every one of the company knows what we have to do each day. Then we use that to say, okay, how many leads do I need for that day? If I have, you know, $10,000 a day, let's say that I need a revenue, how am I going to get that revenue? How many service calls do I need? How many sales calls do I need? Right, so you can work everything backwards. This is why beginning with the end in mind and having a plan for your company is so important. You can work it backwards and it gives you daily goals, things you can keep right in front of you. It also helps you on a daily basis to measure, am I ahead of my goal for the year, am I behind? Every single day, you know exactly where you are. This is why having a plan, aka a budget, is so important for your business. Now, not just on the financial side, but you need a plan you know, for, your, for your labor requirements. How many people are you going to need next year? How many vehicles are you going to need next year? Right? How many leaves do you need? I mentioned that with the marketing. So you've got to work everything backwards so you can see what you need on a daily basis. And it's not that hard to do. You know your, your busy months, your slow months. So you take that million dollars, let's say if that's your target, and you know what months you're going to do the most. And you can you know, do a little more of those months. And your slow months, you can back that off a little bit. And so you adjust with you know, what you know the industry is going to do given the, the, the ups and downs of the weather patterns in your market. But you've got to have that plan. The other component of this is leadership itself. right? One of the things we know in leadership is that we have to lead from the trenches. If you're going to ask your people to do something like, let's say, work on a Saturday, they have to know that you're willing to work on a Saturday, too. That doesn't mean you have to work every Saturday with them, but sometimes when it's necessary, you got to be out there with them. You know, with leadership, it comes down to having a clear vision. It comes down to having confidence in your people uh, that they can help you reach that vision, and then it comes down to reminding them every single day that, hey, I believe in you. I believe you can help us reach this mission. That's what inspirational leadership is all about. you got to lead from the vision. you got to lead from the trenches. Get out there, and you have to do what you expect your people to do. We can't sit back on our high horse and say, hey, you do this and you do that, but then I don't lead by example. You have to lead by example. As Emerson once said, your actions speak so loudly, people can't hear what you say. So when it comes to planning, you got to plan. When it comes to leadership, you got to lead. That's all there is to it. It's that simple. Now, if you're interested in learning more about operating plans, I want to encourage you to sign up for a free 30-day trial by clicking join at the top of this page. That's all you got to do. Join and you're in. Now this is just a small piece of the process, but you need the whole thing to make it all work. We have a lot more content from Gary Ellis on company planning, including scaling up, using action plans, suppliers funding, month-end financial reviews, entering new verticals, and management communications. For example, the 10 minutes of video that we pulled today for content, it's a 40 minute video on the EGIA Contract University platform that goes into all the details of creating your company plan and aligning your people with that plan. Gary also includes PDF documents and spreadsheet tools to help you implement all of this in your company. So give the 30-day free trial a go and check out all the content for yourself. In case you're not aware, we've launched a new video podcast called Unfiltered. You can view the full episode at EGA.org unfiltered. I want to run a short clip from that show where Gary Ellis talks about what the HVAC industry means to him personally. Tell me what the industry means to you, Gary.
1: Wow, that's a great question um for me it's it's pretty much everything it's given me everything that i have uh, personally and professionally um you know when i got out of school i did not have a job nobody was really getting jobs 1983 was kind of tough economic times a lot of people don't realize how bad it was this was the reagan's first term it was not good from an economic point of view jobs were tough and i remember when i interviewed you just couldn't get a job there was too many people looking for work and not enough jobs. Uh, but a buddy I played college baseball with asked me, uh, you know, he's like, do you have a job yet? I'm like, no. And he's like, well, I can get you a job. Come on over. And, and uh, his name's Jeff Evans. Jeff Evans is still in this industry. Jeff Evans is like a sales manager or general manager in this trade. <laughs> so um, anyway, I, I got this job with a company called Magic Chef Air Conditioning. And uh, in the interview, they asked me, you know, what do you know about you know the air conditioning what, wasn't that business.
0: a brand of equipment magic chef
1: magic chef was a privately owned company that made appliances and air conditioning okay. was one of the divisions gotcha. so mostly it was a, microwaves admiral yeah. refrigeration so forth uh it's since been consolidated but the guy asked me he's like, what do you know about air conditioning No clue he's like, well, the tall ones are furnaces the short <laughs> ones are air conditioners you seem like a good dude let's <laughs> let's let's bring you in so uh, for so for me it was it was my career start and um I, I just, uh, you know, I, I, obviously I'm in the retail side now and I'm in a different place than working for the manufacturers, but it's created wealth. It's uh, created prosperity for my family. It's put three kids through educations. Uh, they basically, you know, are, are in a position in life that most people don't get that opportunity. And so we.
0: And by the way, your, your wealth isn't just in the consulting side, you own bought and sold many HVAC companies.
1: That's true. They that's made a true. lot of money
0: on that contracting side.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's all part of that industry. Yeah. And so the industry is, is a, it's a great place because you can make a lot of money. Um, and I think you can have time and money freedom, wealth. And if you do it right. If you do it right.
0: Well, that's our show for this week, folks. Tune in next week where we're going to get into part two of the operating plan. We'll see you next week. Until then, bye-bye for now.